Let us pray. Gracious God, who loves us more than we can ask for or imagine, send your Holy Spirit to dwell here with us, so that only your word may be spoken, and so that only your word may be heard, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. The Bible is a story about love. It is a story of God's love for us, and it is a story of our attempt, sometimes more successfully than others, to try and follow God in this way of love. Now, it's not always obvious that Scripture is about love. Um, the scripture was uh, written by many different people, edited by many different people for a long period of time, writing different styles for different purposes and goals, and it's just not always clear that it's always about love. So how do we know that Scripture is primarily a story of love, of God's love for us, and of our attempts to follow God in that way of love? We know that because that is what Jesus teaches us. When asked what the greatest commandment is, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. So in response to the question of what's the most important law, Jesus says this isn't just applied to the law, but also to the prophets. That expression, the law and the prophets, is a shorthand or another kind of like a synonym for Scripture. Jesus is saying all of Scripture can be summed up in love. And we see that time and again in Jesus' actions, in Jesus' teachings, in his teachings explicitly about Scripture. Um, we see it, um, of course, here um, in the Grace Commandment. We see it again when he gives the New Commandment, to love one another as I have loved you. We see it when, in John's Gospel, it tries to explain the Incarnation. Why did this happen? For God so loved the world that God sent his only begotten Son. Right? It's all about love. And we see that in the earliest followers of Jesus well, in the writings that we have in the epistles. We see that in uh, Paul's epistles. We see that very clearly in, say, 1 Corinthians. Faith, hope, and love abide, and the greatest of these is love. We need to remember that uh, Paul was writing to people in Corinth because they were in deep conflict. And he was writing to try and help them um, move through that conflict and to reconcile to each other. And he's pointing back to this way of love that Jesus teaches us and says the primacy, um, points to the primacy of love in our faith. Faith, hope, and love abide. And the greatest of these is love. We see it in 1 John, when the author of that epistle is trying to explain to us the nature of God, and the author says, God is love. Not that God loves us, which is true, but God is love. In God's very nature, we find love. And then the author goes on to say, therefore, we have to love one another. And if we do not love, then we do not know God. For if you know God, then you have seen love in its purest form, and then you will want to act in love in response. Now, Jesus doesn't just say uh, that, that love, the passage about love, are the most important passages. What Jesus says is on love, uh, love of God, love of neighbor, 
hangs all the law and the prophets, even those areas that aren't necessarily about love, we have to read them through that lens of love. And if we don't read scripture in a way that leads to love, then something's not going right and we gotta go back to it and try again. And when we do that, we start seeing the ways that love shows up in the most surprising places, in places that aren't explicitly about love. Take, for instance, that first reading from last week, the beginning of the creation story. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and the Holy Spirit moved over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it was good. There's nothing in there that said that God did this in love. And yet when we begin to read all of scripture through that lens of love, we begin to see that that act of creation was an act of love. And so then like with Desmond Tutu's beautiful retelling of the creation story, we can say that yes, God's love bubbled up and bubbled over, overflowing in love. And even though our readings today don't explicitly talk about love, when we read scripture through the lens of love, we see how all of them are pointing us to that love in different, different ways, different components, different angles of that love. But all of it is pointing towards and showing us that love. Take, for instance, our psalm today. It is a beautiful poem, a beautiful meditation on God's love for us. It, it, it uh, describes this God who knows our, our waking, our rising, and our sitting down. In the little bits that get cut out, it says that wherever we go, God will always be present with us. If we go to the heavens or down to the grave, even there, God is present with us. With the implication that all the time in between, God is present with us as well. No matter where we go in life, in this world, God is lovingly is with us. And it ends with that beautiful uh, portion of the psalm that talks about God knitting us in creation, knitting us together. Now, if you have ever kind of been with somebody while they knitted, you know that that's a very, it's a long process. It takes a long time to knit something. And it is an act of love when someone knits something for you. It takes so much effort so much skill, so much time. You don't uh, knit somebody something um, because it's cheaper, right? Um, it's much easier just to go buy something for somebody. You knit something for somebody because you are doing it in love. And so uh, if someone knits you a pair of socks, right? Or a prayer shawl, like our Needle Arts Guild makes, you know that they are knitting that for you in love. It's almost sacramental. Right, that outward invisible sign of the inward and spiritual grace. The knitted item, that prayer shawl, that pair of socks, right, that is something tangible, an outward invisible sign of that inward and spiritual grace of the love that they are expressing through their act of knitting. And we have that image in the psalm today of God knitting us, that act of love that God has for us. We see that love in the epistle. All things may be lawful, but not all things are beneficial. That we may have rights to do certain things, but we have an obligation to something greater than ourselves. And that 
willingness to lay aside our right for something for the benefit of the greater good, for the common good, for the other, for your neighbor, is an act of love. You may be able to do otherwise, but the way of love, the way that Jesus teaches us, tells us to do it differently for the sake of the greater community. We see that love then expressed in the gospel. When Nathaniel is called, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's basically, uh, it's kind of slander about Nazareth. It is, it is a mean thing to say. Can anything good come out of that podunk backwater town? Right? It's, it's, it's an offensive thing that he says. And yet Jesus invites him to follow out of love. That Jesus is willing to set aside the very least rude thing that he says to invite him into the fold because Jesus loves him. And then we also see that love embodied in our first reading from Samuel. And we see it, of course, in God's call to Samuel, but we see it more profoundly in the second part of the reading. And we see a whole new element and facet of that love. We know, realize that this love is not a kind of squishy or easy love at times, that this love does have room for accountability when wrong is done. We can't just paper it over. We can't just fall down on grace and uh, kind of say, oh, to let bygones be bygones. No, there's accountability on Eli because he was not able to control his sons and he was not willing to try and call them out and keep them accountable. And so God says, Eli, you have to be accountable now because you failed in the task that you need to do. And we can see even that can be an act of love. That sometimes we have to call somebody out, call them to account. And we have to hold ourselves to account as well. Every time we go to confession, we acknowledge that we have done something wrong and we promise to try and amend our lives. We try to right the wrong that we've done in this world. Last week when we um, renewed our baptismal vows, and we said we would try not to do anything evil. But when we do, <laughs> when, we, when we fail that in that task, we're going to repent and return to the Lord. Not that we're just going to return to the Lord, right? We're going to repent. We're going to acknowledge that we've done something wrong. We're going to face the accountability there and then come back and try again. And all of that is bound up in God's love, knowing that God will forgive us when we are willing to face that wrong that we've done and acknowledge it and be willing to be accountable towards it. All of these readings are weaving together this image of love, just like all of scripture weaves together this very complex image of love. Love is not sentimental, love is not easy, but love is God's vision for this world because it was in love that God made this world. We face many challenges as a kind of a community, a nation, a world. And as followers of Jesus, as followers of God, 
in this way of love. We know that that way of love is the path that we keep on taking even when it is hard. Because that is the path that God has called us to. So follow Jesus on this way of love. Amen.